think a lot of people really went into fear and self-protection mode. What can I do to keep the chips in my own corner? And, you know, what can I do to protect myself? What I had to do there was actually not much of the stepping in and coordinating things myself. For me, it was very much, I'm going to do what I need to do as the CEO to be the face of certainty for my team, but also, as you did, find ways to serve our customers and to serve our audience. Whatever pandemic or situation you're ever in, what's really powerful when you can truly lead is you can step up and be one of those guiding lights. You can be one of those people who can give some direction to those who are seeking it and give them some certainty in an area that's not very certain. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Entrepreneurs Rising. I am here. My name is Peter Moriarty with my amazing co-host, Carl Taylor. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are coming to you with a very special episode this time, and we are going to start talking about COVID and the global economic situation and a little bit more depth. Now, we made a conscious decision as we started this podcast to try not to date the episodes. We want this to be relevant no matter where you are in business and no matter where you are in the scheme of things compared to when we recorded the episodes because we want to make sure this content is valuable and it's the kind of thing that you can go back and listen to if you need a refresher and still get value from it. Now, we made a conscious decision that we'd try and stay away from anything kind of COVID-related until it became obvious that this was going to be a big part of our lives moving forward. And so in today's episode, we're not going to be covering... COVID or what it means for the economy or anything like that, we're going to cover how we actually responded as leaders and as business owners. And the lessons here are about how you can respond to uncertainty, uncertain times or challenges that come up during business. So Carl, I'm actually pretty excited to get into this because I think the initial wave of fear, excitement, stress has come and gone where four or five months in, depending on when you begin counting on COVID happening. And what we're going to take a magnifying glass to here is how did we deal in March with the crisis that unfolded and how that affected our businesses, our clients, and how we were able to lead our teams through that? Mm, I'm, I'm very excited to share this too, because it's, for me, it's, it's actually transformative of the, the, the lifestyle that Carl was living, even in some of we shared in some of these podcast episodes previously um, before COVID and after COVID is quite uh, different. And also the business results are also uh, skyrocketing. We've had our best months during this period. And uh, so I'm excited to dig in and share what I've done, what we've been doing in the business and the thought process around it. So I'm, I'm, I'm just so keen to get started on this. I, I know that you shared with me that you've been reading a great book recently. And that's kind of how we came up with the idea of this episode, right? You were sharing with me this book and about how, what you were learning from it. And we were like, well, hold on, let's record this. Let's stop talking and let's record this. So tell us a bit about the book that you've been reading. 
Sure. So the book is called Great by Choice, and it's by Jim Collins, who through his uh, many research projects, wrote the amazing, amazing book, Good to Great, comparing companies that had outperformed the market to the rest of their competitors and identifying what they did differently in strategy and leadership and in direction of the business. Now, Great by Choice is all about how businesses and those business leaders survive but not only survive, also thrive during uncertain times and what a pertinent book and resource to be jumping into at the moment. Now, one of the frameworks or one of the deciding factors which determine for companies to thrive 10x above their competitors, above the market in times of turmoil uh, was something that Jim Collins has named 10X leadership. And there's three components to that. One is fanatic discipline, which is sticking to the course and being yourself, putting your ego aside and focusing on the business and the growth of the business beyond anything else. Number two was imperial creativity, or apologies, empirical creativity, which is finding your own data to make decisions rather than what is commonly accepted. And he tells an amazing story about one of the Intel CEOs who was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And instead of just deciding on what treatment his doctor had a bias for, he read all the medical journals and actually gathered the data and the evidence himself to uh, decide on his own treatment. Um, And then number three is productive paranoia. Uh, And he tells the story about how at one point, the CEO of Apple, John Scully, was in a successful position with the business and took a three-month holiday, whereas Bill Gates, even when he was at the absolute top, was always looking at ways and risks that might cause the business to fail or to be impacted. Now, that's not to say in that particular example that taking a sabbatical is a bad idea. What it is to say is to never rest on your laurels, to always have a healthy level of paranoia in the business. So this is really the frame that we're coming from when we're talking about how we're looking at leaders and how we're looking at uh, you know leadership and strategy in times like this. And uh, I think it's best, Carl, for us to share a little bit about, you know, what happened and how we reacted individually, how we managed our teams, what actually happened in our businesses and give some insight. You know, we're not claiming to be perfect leaders. This show is all about us just sharing, you know, what we're doing and, and hopefully sharing things that will work. What we do know is that both of our businesses have continued to thrive in these conditions. And so we're going to share what we did to hopefully find the golden nuggets in between there. Uh, and, you know, as you're sharing that now, you're sharing those those three key areas that he talked about. Like there's definitely some things that that resonate with me. I'm like, yeah, I feel like without even reading the book, I'm just like, yeah, I can see some of how I showed up in, in those aspects. Maybe not the data point of view. I haven't necessarily gone really deep digging into my own data, but the ego side very much resonates with me because if you've been listening to some of these episodes or if you've even known me uh, for a long time, I've very been very empirical about, I do not want too much of the name Carl Taylor and my personal brand in the deliverable in like, I don't want clients to feel like they're reaching out to Carl. I was very consciously trying to build a business that works without me, which, you know, the deliverable does, but I was very conscious about wanting to keep it that way. And some of that came from when I'd sold my IT company and I'd been, you know, locked in to be an employee for a year because of how much it was tied to me, which I never wanted that to happen again. 
But when COVID hit for me, uh, I was actually overseas. <laughs> I was in the US and then came back and I had to be in quarantine for a while. And all of a sudden I just, a bit of that panic hit me, fear hit me. And I was like, okay, we're a subscription business. What happens when recessions or belief that there's a recession is coming? People get fearful and they get fearful about what they're going to spend money on. And what's one of the first things that people will look at is what's coming off their credit card regularly. So I had this internal fear of going, there's going to be people out there now considering, do we cut this? Do we keep paying this or do we cut this? And I had no visibility as to how big, how severe that would be or how little it would be. I could also see the optimism, the market that I'm in, we actually help people get online. So I was driven initially probably by a bit of fear, but also there was a, an element of going, there are people hurting because cancellations started coming in. People would say, I can't pay. My business has been shut down overnight. I have no clients anymore. Like we have no need to be marketing because we can't even deliver on our service. When I started hearing some of those stories, I said to the team, okay, what I want you to do is all of these people who are saying they've got no option, their business is broken. I want, you know, cancel their account. That's fine. But I'd rather you just say, look, let's give you a free month. Let's just don't worry about it. Stay a customer. And we'll just cover your payment this month. And here's a link to book a one-on-one -on -one call with our CEO. And he'll, he's happy to brainstorm with you to look at how you could pivot your entire business and how we could help you start making customers again. And so I started having one-on-one -on -one conversations with customers to just brainstorm. Go tell me what's happened in your business. What kind of business do you have? Okay, cool. So how can I help you? Like you could maybe pivot that and you could deliver that over Zoom. You could do this. And if actually, if you got us to build this particular funnel, you could start getting, you know, the way people used to sell. So I started just strategizing, providing so much more value to the canceled clients. That was my first start. We also rolled out stimulus packages. I told the whole team, I said, there are people hurting. So here are the stimulus packages. Anyone is saying they cannot afford us because of COVID. I knew some of that was going to be bullshit. People are just making up stories, right? Um, or out of their own fear. But I said, I want you to offer these principles because as a subscription business, I know that if someone cancels, they're less likely to reactivate versus if we can just put them on like a payment pause or some sort of thing like that. We wanted to ensure there was a strategy, but it was also coming from a place of love. We wanted to ensure the clients were getting supported who needed support because deep down, genuinely in my heart, I was like, we are the last thing they should be cutting. The last thing they should be cutting. They need to be marketing. They need help to market. If they truly can't afford us, that's okay. How about use our service on us for a month while you pivot and bring in money to pay for us? That was my mindset. And so Absolutely. to deliver on that though, no one in my team was going to be able to deliver on that. So I then chose to run a webinar and I ran a webinar. And on that webinar, I taught, um, I called it protect, pivot, profit. And I taught all the whole principles of what they need to do. And took them through a whole framework, not just on marketing, but your entire business. What do you need to protect? What do you need to pivot? What do you need to profit? And as part of the profit, I then taught a specific marketing funnel. I said, this is what every single business right now needs. I don't care whether you were an offline business, you were an online business. Right now, in today's age, you can all sell with a webinar to appointment funnel. And I took them step-by-step step how to build a webinar to appointment funnel. I gave them the scripts. I wrote their emails for them. I gave them designs. I made it super stupid simple with wizards. We have a wizard system in our platform, which can ask you questions to build the task request. So I built wizards. They could just click one button to effectively request all the different tasks they needed to build it. I made it as simple as possible, delivered all this value to clients that month was our lowest churn month we'd ever had in like two years. And it was, and it just came from a wow. place of, I'm, I'm going to serve, put my ego aside. This is what people need. I'm going out there, I'm delivering it. And what came from that is 
that idea of the, we call them implementation guides now has turned into a whole new thing that every month now I'm running a training, teaching clients a specific funnel or campaign that they can implement. We're giving them the email copy. We're giving them templates, super simple. Just click this button to request to have us build it. And that's become an ongoing, that remains to be seen whether it's an effective long-term, but for a short term, I just was like, people are struggling. They need help. How do I step up and lead so that they get out of the fear mentality even though my initial drive was fear of I'm going to have cancellations, it then very quickly went into a, these people are canceling though because they're hurting and they're unsure of what to do. I have some insights that could help. I have services that can help. How do we help them not cancel? Because while that hurts my business, I also believe it hurts their business. That was my genuine belief. And so that was kind of the starting point of what we did and more things have come from it. And I'm happy to go into that shortly, but that was what we did in March and we ended up June being our very best month ever in business. And it's really interesting. And um, I think I want to particularly highlight that you immediately responded with uh, support and service for you rather than self-protection. Because I think a lot of people really went into fear and self-protection mode. What can I do to keep the chips in my own corner? And, you know, what can I do to protect myself, cancel services, you know, jump out of commitments, whereas you went to, well, how can I serve the people that are there? And it's the right thing to do, not it's the right thing to serve Carl. Uh, and I think that speaks a lot to the shifts that I've noticed in you personally as a friend over the last, you know, few years in really switching around your desire to have more impact rather than build more stuff for Carl. Because we've both, and we've talked about this in earlier episodes, we've both reached the points where we've kind of ticked the boxes of income, ticked the boxes, you know, you've sold businesses and, and you know, ticked those things that you wanted to do. Um, after that, what is there? Uh, well, there's, you know, there's impact and there's service to others. Yeah, it's, it's re really showing how you decided to respond in that way. You're totally right. And it's a very big part of the shift of like, <laughs> yeah, it surprises me even to know that, Carl was like, you know what? I am going to get myself visible and not just once, but I'm continuing to do it. But I, I didn't just do it for clients. Like what you mentioned there, I did cancel mm. a couple of things. Like it did make me go, let's be smart. Let's look at what I'm spending money on. If anything is wasteful that I meant to cancel years ago, I did that. But I think I maybe saved maybe 500 bucks a month. It wasn't huge in my spending. Mm. But what I did was I really wanted to double down on serving clients and making sure the team felt secure. I reached out to the team. One of the first things I did, I said to the entire team, I said, hey guys, I just want to let you know that this is what's going on around us. Our clients are struggling. Business is uncertain. And I just want you to know that you have my full dedication that I'm going to do everything I can to ensure that not a single one of you will ever need to worry about your job. But for me to do that, here's what I need from you. I need you to understand that all of our clients are struggling now more than ever. They need people like us. They need us to be fast in what we deliver. They need it to work right. And I just, it was kind of a call to arms. It was a, I'm coming in to back you. Like don't feel threatened. Don't feel risk. Don't think that you're out of a job or anything like that. I'm doing everything I can to minimize that. And we haven't had to let a single person go. But I also said, here's what I need from you to step up in terms of service to our clients. Yeah. That's yeah. It's very interesting. I would say that you jumped straight into the wartime CEO hat and, uh, and really jumped in there with the troops. I had a profoundly different experience. As COVID kind of really kicked off in March and people started talking about lockdowns and border restrictions and 
you know, spread started getting really bad, at least in Australia. I was actually away for a whole week at a Tantra retreat. (laughs) And so I'd emerged from this very, you know, cocooned and loving, you know, existence and journey over the course of a week to a world that felt very different. And there's a, a young adult fiction book called Tomorrow When the War Began, where a bunch of kids go camping and they come back from camping and Australia has been invaded. And it felt like that because we'd had our phones off for the week and we hadn't been looking at the news or anything. And we came back and supermarket shelves were empty. People were lining up to get toilet paper and, and the world had seemed to have gone a bit crazy. And I was in New South Wales at the time. I had to drive back up to Queensland. Thankfully, I didn't have any trouble with borders or anything like that because you know, quite soon after we went into lockdown and everything else that followed from there. However, how I approached that in the work role is that I kind of checked back in with my team and someone had already stepped into that wartime CEO role. And that was Scott, my general manager. And as soon as I hooked up with the team and jumped into my first meeting, I got a full debriefing. And I felt like the American president had walked into a war room and I was being briefed by my generals on what the situation was and what we needed to do about it. Um, And so Scott had a 10-point summary of like, okay, here's where things are at and here's where things are potentially going to go. All of the other managers and leaders in the business had been briefed and had been let know what was happening. The Philippines was soon going into lockdown, which was going to affect all of our team uh, as well. And what I had to do there was actually not much of the stepping in and coordinating things myself. For me, it was very much, I'm going to do what I need to do as the CEO to be the face of certainty for my team, but also, as you did, find ways to serve our customers and to serve our audience. Um, and so we felt pretty comfortable economically. I mean, our, our, our sales pipeline was, was obliterated. That disappeared for April because what I expected was that businesses would be ready for change. They'd all have to work from home. And we thought, fantastic. Everyone's going to be forced to work from home. We're in the business of helping people work flexibly. Everyone's going to switch to Google. And this is going to be the best few months that we've ever had in the business. But what actually happened was because people were scared, they didn't want to embrace change. Everyone downloaded Zoom and went back home and continued about their daily business working exactly the same way that they had been working previously. And so our business didn't actually jump in those first couple of months. But what I decided to do was think, how can I best serve the customers that I have? What can I do to help in this situation? Because we're not really going to be affected with customers switching off. No one's going to cancel their Google account, cancel their Google Drive. That wasn't really something that was going to be a risk for us. But what I did know was that customers were hurting financially and we were in a really good position. And so we had heaps of cash and heaps of cash flow. That was something that was really great for us. March, Google had just announced or had implemented the second stage of a major price increase that was announced two years prior. And so March 2020 was the best month that we've had since we started the business. And it was an absolute ridiculous month, right? And so what we then decided was, well, we're in a great cash position. We've got heaps of customers that are in a terrible cash position. Let's relax the terms on renewals. And so when customers came to us with renewals for either Google accounts or for our services on our concierge program, 
we actually automatically gave three or six month payment plans. We didn't charge any interest on those. And we basically funded three and six month payment plans for our customers just out of our own pocket for them to be able to have time to be able to cash flow the change. Now, for customers who came to us and said, my business is in tatters or I've got a massive issue, we said, okay, let's pause for a couple of months and then we can have a conversation in a couple of months. You don't have to pay for the next few months. We'll continue supporting you and then we'll see where things are at there, right? We used a resource that we had available to us to be able to basically gift to them to help them get through it. And I've got to say, there was a bit of a kind of patriotic feeling of let's help each other get through this. And I really loved seeing that. And I feel good that we were able to contribute in the way that we were able to contribute. And then that was the start of what we decided to do as our next step, which was what are we good at and how can we serve our audience and serve our market? And so what we knew is that everyone was going to be forced to work from home as they were going through isolation. Well, we've been running our business from home for the last five years. This is in our blood. And we've got 40 people working at home, running a multiple million dollar recurring revenue business, growing at ridiculous pace. And our business, for the most part, runs effectively, even with everyone geographically dispersed in completely different locations. And so we launched an eight-week webinar series where we basically went open book on everything that we do to run a completely remote company. Now, does that have a natural result in people buying from us? Not necessarily, although it was, you know, through engagement, opening up a few different conversations with customers on how we could help them more and it did result in some sales. The primary purpose of that campaign was what can we do to help support the customers that we have in our vicinity and not just the customers, but the broader audience as well. And Carl, something really, really interesting that I learned through that was the value of being visible because like businesses that were coming to us and saying, Hey, I need to cancel this service because I need to, you know, cut costs and I'm, I'm reevaluating every contractor and supplier that I'm working with. We had contractors and suppliers that we were evaluating as well because we had to evaluate the small hit that happened to our business. And it was very interesting that some of our suppliers were very vocal. They were helping us with solutions. They were letting us know what changes were happening in the market based on what their particular skill was. And I'm not going to name names here. They were giving us feedback and giving us information that was going to help us get through what we were getting through. And some contractors, we didn't hear a peep from. They were just Mm. not in our mind. And guess who are the ones who we cut or reduced our spend with? Those who were just silent in being able to help us get through this ourselves. So that was a really, really interesting first month, which was us going on the front foot with support. That strategy works really well. The other thing was identifying for us, who do we need to work with and finding that those who had not been on the front foot with us we decided I, I, we're there's not so all many as things I love about what you've just shared. The, the thing, here's the things that really stand out. One, the, your lesson about the power of being visible. You know, I think that's true in all times, but definitely true in times of panic, fear in your marketplace or your industry. But the thing I love most, man, is is your response of what you were doing is really came from a place of service and love and compassion and a bit like you talked about earlier, like that's the part of where, that's where you get to eventually when you start to go, well, this is not about me. We are all in this and together. And if you have resources, skills, like I think that's the power of a true leader. A leader will step up. And it's, it's amazing that you've got Scott and your team who can come up and lead. And 
part of me was a bit envious. Like, oh, I, where was my step up general? But I'm actually really grateful that I didn't have it. And I, I think it's amazing. It left you to be able to go, okay, operations is good, which operations was still fine for us. How do I just serve my clients? And I think that that's the true nature. Whatever pandemic or situation you're ever in, if you lead with service, because overall as a population, I think most people are walking around. I can't remember who first said this to me, but people are kind of walking around with a power plug and they're looking for someone to plug into. Now, I would like to think that if you're listening to this, that does not apply to you, but there's a large proportion of the population that are just kind of walking around looking for someone to plug into, be told what to do, where to go, where to, that's just kind of their nature. And there's nothing wrong with that. And so what's really powerful when you can truly lead is you can step up and be one of those guiding lights. You can be one of those people who can give some direction to those who are seeking it and give them some certainty in an area that's not very certain, you know, it, and if you have an unhealthy dynamic in your relationship, it's an umbilical cord that someone's totally. looking to. So I, I, I just, I, I just want to say, man, like I think it's amazing the way you've stepped up and what you've done, and you know, being visible, broader market. Like some lessons for me is like we were visible to our clients, but as you were speaking, I was like, we were visible to our clients, but we could have probably been more visible to our prospects and audience on our email list. Like we made sure that the clients knew about our webinars. And I think we did at least one email out about my webinar to our prospect list, but we could have been far more visible and expanded beyond the clients who were serving automation entity, uh, who, who are clients of automation entity. I did do a little bit on Facebook, um, but yeah, you kind of inspired me to go, you know, there, there's so much more that we could have done in that scenario. And that's, um, that's really great to hear you've done that. The one flip side, I'd be curious to know for your experience, have you found it a stressful time or a very peaceful time in your personal experience? I think in my personal experience, because I was so cocooned and in a way disconnected from how it started, I was certainly not fearful. I've always operated from the place of, I could lose everything and still be okay. Uh, be it wealth, business, uh, attachments, material possessions, like as long as I'm breathing, I'm, I'm going to be okay. What I found was my team were extremely fearful and our customers and community were fearful as well. And I really noticed that. Being in isolation myself, it was no different to how I've been working for the past five or six years. I stay at home most of the time. I've got a good setup from working from home. And so the day-to-day -day kind of felt like one of those memes that was going around when, you know, you discover your life is what other people call isolation, right? Um, but my team was certainly very fearful. And so the challenge that I had with the team was leading them in a fear state and still having to have a company that operates and output to our customers when you have others that are in fear states. Now, our team are primarily in the Philippines. Philippines had a much more severe lockdown than we had here in Australia. Some were not able to get to loved ones. Some didn't have home delivery food options and were worried about elderly relatives who weren't able to get access to what they needed. One of our staff members lives in the same home as a relative who works in health services. And because there were a lack of test kits in the Philippines, people were worried about even going to hospitals because they just weren't sure of who may be or may not be infected. And therefore that may be spread back to the home through health workers in the family. 
And so my team having to deal with that as a daily reminder of fear in the situation that they were in, uh, that was challenging for me because I felt a bit helpless. Usually I'd be really happy to jump on a plane in a crisis, but I was literally restricted from being able to do that. Um, And so for me, I think what was really important was obviously with our customers, the webinar series on working remotely was our way of sharing with them, hey, it's going to be okay. This is what we can do to help you here. With my friends, I found myself trying to find ways to connect remotely. Now I've been in a long distance relationship, thankfully no longer long distance. Uh, And in that relationship for the first 18 months, I was in another country from my partner and we had to find ways of staying connected. And I was on a plane once, I heard this amazing story of a pilot who was stationed across the other side of the world from his partner. And so they had a 24 hour Skype call running in their lounge rooms. He'd wake up in the morning, he'd be getting ready for work and his partner would be coming home and getting ready for dinner. And so they just had a a constant basically video stream into each other's lounge room running. And I took that into my relationship by having a basically a constant video call open, uh, which was pretty cool. But then with my team and with my friends, I had to decide, well, how am I going to help connect people in this time where people are feeling really disconnected? Um, And so hosting things like virtual games nights, you know, finding ways of connecting and doing virtual video dates with friends, with loved ones who hadn't done that kind of thing before, but that was natural to me having run a remote team and, you know, being remote with a partner, an intimate partner for a long period of time. Um, And so finding ways to connect when people were feeling disconnected was really my response to what I was, you know, witnessing and what I was mm, feeling right. in, in how those well, around you know, we were played many a games of virtual uh, cash flow. I, <laughs> I remember that, but it, it, like, I, I love that. Like all of that. <laughs> yeah. Like in, in my experience, like we, I found myself quite fearful in the beginning and different to you is I did not pick up on much of that fear from my team in the Philippines. That wasn't something that was really current in our culture, in our, in our company, I, we had team members who uh, got themselves tested. Um, we've had team members who had family members. They were definitely in lockdown, but we didn't have that feeling of fear because the biggest fear that the team really had was, is my job in jeopardy? Is my income in jeopardy? And I was like, I got you. I got you. Don't worry. Like that won't be in jeopardy. We're doing everything we can. And ultimately we've grown and, and been able to just continue to grow and actually employ more people and hire more people. We've been hiring and hiring during this period it's actually really great for our overall mission because we truly care about creating opportunities for Filipinos, not just for Filipinos. I brought on some, you know, Australian team members too. So it's, it's, um, it's been a huge transition period. I also in the midst of this was in the beginning of a long distance relationship, which then wasn't as long as yours. We were in another country, but I was in another state. And then we, uh, we closed that distance because of the lockdowns. And so I moved into a new, a new state during, during the lockdowns also happens to be the state that is the most lockdown of all of us in Australia right now. And so there was a lot of transition, huge amount of transition that happened within the business and outside of the business, this constant, there was a bit of that fear because I was fearful that the borders between states were going to close before I got out of my quarantine to be able to come so it is really interesting that I, there was a lot of fear in my experience during the beginning, but I didn't want to show that and I didn't want to have that impact on the business, the way I showed up in the business, but it was, I think, a part of the driving force. It was a bit of that paranoia. I think you talked about productive paranoia. I had this paranoia that bad things were going to happen in the business or in my personal world 
I need to do this, which was the driving. And I bring that up because I don't think I'm alone. And maybe while you're listening to this, you're going, yeah, I was like, Pete, everything was cool because a lot of things was cool for me too. Like I've run a remote company for six years as well. Like the day-to-day operations didn't really change, but there was a lot of change in my personal life and in the business arena of what I was stepping up and doing. And that for me was quite overwhelming and has been. And I think we talked about this in our wartime peacetime CEO episode. I believe that the wartime CEO is not a sustainable CEO. And I've definitely felt that now that I've, I started to hit the, the walls of that wartime CEO of stepping up where I started to hit those walls of I'm exhausted. The body is more stressed. The presentness of who I know Carl can be, how, how present I can truly be outside of the business world with my partner, with family, even if I'm over Zoom or FaceTime was different. I'd lost that guy. And I think it's a really important thing that whenever you're in any kind of situation happening in your business, it doesn't have to be even something happening from an external, maybe it's happening internal. But if something's happening inside your business or outside your business and you need to step up and lead, you've got to do it in a way that's sustainable. Any ideas, any strategies that you apply needs to be sustainable because eventually you're going to burn out. And if you think like I've got friends and clients and people in my network who I saw that many of them are coaches and they were all stepping up. It was amazing offering one-on-one calls and doing all these things, things that I did as well, but I put limits on mine. I offered one-on-one calls and I had only a certain number of availability per week and for only a few number of weeks. I knew it was not something that could consistently go and I had to set those limits that you may not... I'm doing this once. It's an experiment. We might keep doing it, might not. You've got to set those expectations. And I saw people not doing this. And obviously there's still time to play out to see how it ends up for them. But I, my hallucination, my belief is that, that if they don't have a good system to remove themselves from that, that piece of over delivery, that extra leadership, you're going to burn yourself out, which will either impact your business, your team, your clients, you, your relationships, your health, or more likely all of the above. And I think it's just really important to note that you've got to make time amongst all of this. If you went more time CEO, like I did, you've got to take the time out to go, hold on, breathe. There's more to life than business. Yeah. I think there's real value in considering that you can only sprint for a certain amount of time. And it, it doesn't mean you necessarily have to sign up for a marathon, uh, but just, know and realize that when you're sprinting, you're sprinting. Uh, and that can only be sustained for a certain period of time. I felt that after eight weeks of webinars on remote work and doing lives every week to support them and broadcasts every week for that. I needed a break. I felt fatigued. My team found it as well. And I think, you know, a lot of people who went into that action mode really, really felt like that. Uh, and, you know, that's okay. That's our body's way of letting us know, Hey, it's time to slow down or it's time to, you know, change the tune a little bit as well as you're working on that. Something that came from that really interestingly is I have been following a man by the name of Vern Harnish for a long time. He wrote a book called the Rockefeller habits about scaling businesses and building amazing operations to scale those businesses. Now, what I found was the doctrine of that book is to do quarterly based strategic planning 
four quarters a year. You roll that up into your annual planning. You do a quarterly planning session every quarter. And, and that's a, been a big focus for our team. Now we've gone through rapid growth in our company year after year, sometimes doubling some years. It's been a really strong growth path and that's been fueled by acquisitions and other ways of rapidly scaling the business, not just natural growth. But what we found is we started to feel that burnout that fatigue from sprinting and sprinting and sprinting. So one of the things that we decided to do this financial year was actually switch from strategically working with three thirds instead of four quarters. And uh, we now call them seasons. And so what that allows us to do is have three months of being on and then one month of rest slash cleanup. And then back to three months on another month of rest. And we go around the year like that. So that's an experiment. We'll report in in another 10 months time on how that's gone, but it's uh, working well for us so far. And I think taking a bit of the pressure off, uh, but I certainly understand and have experienced burnout having been an entrepreneur for many years, that it's something that comes and goes. It's probably okay to push your body when it's time to perform, when it's needed. It's a little bit like when you go into your primal state and need to run because you've got cortisol in your body, because you're running away from a tiger, your body literally pushes the blood out of the visceral sac of your organs into your extremities. So you can actually run and use your limbs faster. And it's kind of like how, you know, if there's ever been a baby caught underneath a car, people somehow get superhuman strength and can lift the car, right? And so it's our body's way of letting us know when we're in a stress state, that we eventually will have that burnout and that crash. And, you know, we need to then recalibrate, recalibrate and realign, but it's unsustainable. It's, yeah. it's just I, not sustainable. I want to come back for, for a second. I, I 100% agree with you, time. but I want to touch on something that I found fascinating there, that you've taken your quarters and you've turned them into thirds of season. I really love that. What's interesting though, is we've kind of done for a similar mind yes. set and reason, we've gone the opposite approach. We still set our goals in quarters, but now we're doing six week like cycles, not even sprints, six week cycles with like four weeks on and then two weeks off. So four weeks really focused on these particular projects that we can believe we can do in that month. Yeah. And then two weeks off of rest. And then we start another six week cycle all over again uh, to all within hitting that target of, of the quarterly target. So we're doing that as the Love management it. team, not overall over the whole company, but I just thought that would be an interesting uh, share that we're doing the same kind of approach, but you're going bigger timescales. I'm going smaller. So I'll be, that could be a new episode about how that turned out for both of us. What was your expected outcome for uh, that strategy? Ultimately what just were you looking more to achieve from sustainable that? way of hitting what happens for us, or at least for me is in the beginning of a, you know, you do your strategy planning, you get all excited and you're like, yeah, this is my goals. This is what I'm going to do. I can't wait to do that project. That's exciting. And then if you're anything like me as a creator type mindset, it's very easy to then get distracted from all those projects um, and get like three or four weeks in or even a month into the quarter and then be like, Hey, so what was our goals again? What were our targets? Like, even though you got, you know, you've got your, um, your scoreboards and everything, but you can start to be like, well, what was the, what were those projects exactly that were, Oh, that's off track. Yeah. That's off track. That's off track. So it was about getting more done, staying on track, taking smaller bites rather than trying to do these big, huge projects in a more consistent manner with building in the rest mode. So it's, a, it's an experiment. Uh, we'll wait and see how it plays out. Awesome. What would you say was the biggest challenge and then the Ooh, biggest I, I would say the biggest fruit is this. in thinking different for me. 
the biggest challenge would be all the ideas that I had of stepping up and leading and which I was very happy to do in the beginning is then deciding how to make these sustainable, which ones could be delivered ongoing and how we best do that. Because there's a lot of things that we can do that will really serve the clients and clients often will always want more, better, faster, and there's always ways to deliver on it. But whether you can sustainably deliver on it in a profitable way, at the end of the day, we are in businesses, you know, there's a reason why you know, you can't give your client something that's worth thousands of dollars for a dollar. The client wants it. You want to give it to them that way, but you can't, if you can't afford to do, give it to them that way. So that's been the biggest challenge is going cool, knowing where we want to step up and the ideas we have and the time frames. That's the other thing. I'm sure you've experienced this at your size. I definitely am now with, you know, like 50 odd people. When Carl has an idea, it's no longer next week, it's live or even tomorrow. Like when it was a small business, Carl has an idea tomorrow, that's how it is. This is how the business works. This is the product available. This is everything. Now, Carl has an idea, get buy-in from the management team. What do I need to know? Great, there's about three weeks down. Okay, now, you know, now let's, we need to communicate, we need to create systems and we need to make sure we communicate this to the team. Otherwise they're going to get annoyed or it's going to be delivered bad. Now we're going to do a small experiment to see if this is, sustainable long-term, but before we roll it out to all clients. And so there's also that delay. That's another challenge is keeping my self at peace when I've gone, here's the idea. Here's how we're going to fix this. How's are we going to deliver? And then go, cool. So that's probably three months before that's actually effective and live. Uh, I see you smiling along. So I don't know whether that's because that's your experience as well, or whether you're just going, ha, ah, Carl sucked in. <laughs> No, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. I think for me, you know, in all of this, if I think, um, you know, what has been the biggest challenge, what have been the fruits, I think the biggest challenge is to see my, uh, my team uh, really challenged and, and really in a fierce state. For me, you know, like I've, I've been quite comfortable throughout this process. The business itself is extremely resilient as we came into this in March, we were in the best cash and cash flow position that we've ever been in in the history of the business. And what kind of comes up for me there is it's like, well, should I be celebrating that things are going well for me? And how visible will I allow myself to be as others are suffering and really going through some challenges? And we've had the customers that came to us and said, hey, my business is devastated. I'm, I'm done. Uh, and friends and colleagues that we've had that have literally been in that situation where they've been in a really, really challenging place financially or in their family situations as well. My sister, who's literally just graduated high school, has a great big question mark on where she's going to go and what she's going to do in the future. Wow. Not only that, she's on exchange in Europe <laughs> and literally wasn't able to get home, is on the other side of the world as all of this has unfolded. Um, and so, you know, I kind of question, um, you know, how cool is it of me to be posting Instagram stories of me being at the beach at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday when others may be in a stressed state? And I try and justify that and kind of say, well, you know, I might inspire someone that not all is bad uh, or I might help lead someone to building a business that is more on their terms. But I think it's, it's a little bit of the, what would that be? you know, maybe a little bit of the, the fear of success or imposter syndrome, even maybe that, you know, why do I deserve mm. to be celebrating this if we're right. in a world that's in pain at the moment? Um, so 
that's kind of what I've reflected on. I don't I mean, know if I have answers, but I do have questions and, about and that. Being judged. I, I get it. I understand it. You know, we had our best month and I posted on Facebook about how I bought myself a robotic vacuum cleaner and part of celebration of that. Um, for, I haven't had that experience. Like I, I've had the thought, I've been like, oh, some people might not like that I've posted this, but I, for me, I've been like, well, you know, why, if I can't celebrate, I, I get that people are in pain and that sucks. Tr- truly. I, I really does suck. And um, I want to, wherever I can do things to support people who are in that situation, but I don't see why that should mean that we can't celebrate. And I get it. There's private, you can do that behind closed doors, but also you should be able to do that with your friends and family and a little bit public. So that's my, my thought of that. So that's, I'm really happy that you've shared that because I'm sure others are feeling it. And my view is just, you know, be happy and celebrate life. Cause if you can't ha- be happy when things go well, then what happens when you're, cause it's, it's cycles and troughs, you know, when you're doing really great and everyone else is hurting, then they'll be doing really great. And you might be hurting at that moment. And you know, it's people think success breeds success. I don't believe that. I believe that success breeds the belief that success will continue to happen. And then reality hits in and things happen. I'm very well aware and very grateful for the position I'm in. Uh, and I do not take it for granted. If it was taken away from me tomorrow, I'd be okay with that. It'd suck, but I'd be okay with it. At the end of the day, I'd be able to work through it, but I'm going to celebrate while I got it because I've been in business long enough, as I know you have, that I've been through a number of those cycles of success, not success, success, not success. And uh, I'm not saying I'm perfect at this, uh, but I guess I'm talking to you, man, and saying, don't be ashamed of your success. Post that Instagram photo, share that you're on the beach, Everyone wants to know. (laughs) I think we should call this, this episode pretty well done. There's a lot that we've unpacked here. And at the end of the day, I think if you have been hit really hard by COVID in your business and, or even in your life and you're going, I don't know what to do next. And you're a little bit feeling uncertain or fearful. Know it's normal, but know that you are in control of how you respond. You may not be control of what's going on around you, but you're in control of what you choose to do next. So please don't feel like you have no control over your life. You do. And if you have been hit negatively and you need help in your business, we would love to hear from you. What's your challenge? We can do future episodes. We can just, we'd love to chat to you and try and support you, whether that be through content or anything. So reach out to us at the show. You can reach us at rising.show. There's a contact page there reach out to us. You can also hit us up on our Facebook page, the Entrepreneurs Rising Facebook page. Seriously, please reach out to us with your questions. Tell us a bit about your scenario and situation. We'd be more than happy to, to throw in a little bit of insight, uh, maybe do an episode. Uh, we, won't, we don't have to reveal names and details, but your questions, I'm sure, are many people's questions. And if on the flip side, you have been successful and business is going better than ever because there's heaps of businesses still making money, heaps of businesses are growing. It's nothing to be ashamed of. You're not the only person in the world who is actually um, seeing growth opportunities and more come from these scenarios. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel ashamed of it. We'd still love to hear from you and hear about what you've done and what you found worked and what didn't work because I'm sure that would be useful for others as well. So Pete, wrap us up. Time to wrap up. Thanks so much for joining. If you've not already, we would sincerely appreciate you leaving an honest review or rating on any of our social pages or where you get your podcasts and make sure to check out all of our backlog of episodes on our website, rising.show. We also have our social pages on Instagram and Facebook. Search for Entrepreneurs Rising or rising.show and you'll be able to catch snippets from upcoming episodes, highlights, 
and anything else we want to share with you to keep you in touch with what we're up to. So please drop us a message, say hello. And until Always the next pleasure. one, we will catch Bye. you soon. Carl, thanks so much for co-hosting with me. Thank you. And to you, the listener, thanks so much for listening. We will see you guys next time. Cheers.